0: The reading this morning from God's Word is from Luke 22, and we'll be reading from verse 39 through 46. In the Pew Bible, it starts on 943, page 943, and ends up on page 934. The scene is in the Garden of Gethsemane, our Lord will be doing the speaking, and it is important for us to speak to God, but also it's important for God to speak to us, and he does that in his scriptures. And verse now uh, Luke 22, verse 39 through 46, And he came out and went, as he want, to the Mount of Olives. And his disciples also followed him. And when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray, that ye enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about his stones cast, and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And And when he rose up from prayer, he was come to his disciples. He found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said unto them, Why sleep ye? Arise and pray, lest ye enter into temptation.
1: Good morning. It is good to see each of you. If you're visiting with us, thank you so much for being with us. If you are visiting, uh, after visiting with us this week at Vacation Bible School, we are so honored to have you here. Uh, We hope that you will come back time and time again. What a wonderful Vacation Bible School that God blessed us with. Uh, We are so grateful to God and to each that worked uh, diligently and to our young people, for the wonderful young people that they are and for the way that they invite their friends to come to uh, Vacation Bible School. It truly was a time of great success uh, for God's cause. Decisions. You and I will have to make decisions for the rest of our life. And the result of your life, your life now, is a result of decisions that you have made in the past. And so when we think about how important decisions are and we think about the frequency of which they have to be made, we realize then how important it is that we make wise decisions. Now, when we think about the time before Jesus dying on the cross, those few hours before, it's interesting to me sometimes how easy it is for you and I to skip over the part of agony. As a matter of fact, one of the songs we just sung said that he didn't shed any tears for his own grief but sweat drops of blood for mine. I don't know if that's true. What I see in the Scriptures is I see a Lord that agonized immensely even for Himself in that garden. Maybe I misunderstand the text. But what I see is that God had no problem revealing a fact that Jesus was going through a very difficult time of decision-making. Now, I'm not suggesting to you that he changed his mind and he went back and he flip-flopped back and forth, but I do know this. He celebrated the Passover with them. He instituted the Lord's Supper. He then washed their feet, and then he taught them in that how to be a servant. And then he taught them a new commandment that I've given to you, to love one another as I have loved you. And so many times we then will say, and then he went to the garden and prayed, and after that he was arrested, betrayed, arrested, and went to Calvary. Isn't it interesting how quickly we can just pass over that garden experience? And isn't it interesting how we just we lump it under one broad category? He went there to pray. Or did he go there to find strength to face a decision that was so difficult in his life? We see words like deep sorrow We see words like lying on his face. We see words of he prayed more earnestly. We see words like being in agony, he said. Friends, it just might be that this paragraph we've just had so capably read for us may be one of the most emotional passages In all of the Bible decisions have never been easy even for the perfect individual that walked the face of this earth so if decisions were not easy for our Lord how could we ever think that it ought to be easy for me I love God I ought to not have to wrestle with decisions like this I shouldn't be placed through so much agony well, if the only perfect individual that walked the face of this earth had to wrestle and had to agonize, why do I think I would be different? And so today we begin by thinking about the decisions that we'll have to make in our life. You know, it was interesting to me, several weeks ago, just reading news, I came up on two articles of young people, but it was interesting how I read these articles just kind of back to back, and I thought, man, that's amazing Two articles, so different, but yet both dealt with decisions. You see, the first article dealt with a little boy, and they didn't reveal his name because he was only 13 years old. He was the starting pitcher on a baseball team that had no losses for the year, and they had eight victories, and they were playing a team that only had one victory and all losses for the year. They lost that night. After they lost, this was just a few weeks ago in California. After they lost, a 15-year-old was horsing around at a concession stand and he cut line in front of him. And so this boy began to have words with him. It said that neither of the young men had a past history of any serious problems. But yet as they began to talk back and forth, I suppose maybe about the game, maybe about him cutting line, The 13-year-old reaches in his bat bag, swings, crushing the knees of the 15-year-old, and then comes down with the next blow that was devastating and took the young man's life to his head. He stood over by a fence, and his parents gathered around and others gathered around the boy that had just been killed. His father said to him, Son, why did you do this? What did you do? And his father later told the newscast, he said, as I was talking to him, you could see that it started to dawn on him what he had done. And then he began to question himself. You know, it's a little bit late then to ask, what have I done? But isn't that how decisions work sometimes? We ask the right questions at the wrong time. We go too far in life before we back up and say, wait a minute, what should I be doing? How should I be acting? What should be my motives, my actions, my thoughts, my words? But yet then, the next news article that I read, I read about a young girl about the same age. Her name is Diana. She grew up in Pakistan. She grew up as a Muslim. Her family is very devoted to the Islamic faith. She met a little girl named Mary. Mary taught her about Jesus Christ, and Diana wanted to become a Christian and did, in fact, do that. But yet when her family found out about it, they began to persecute her. Her own family began to beat her until she would deny Christ, except the problem is she wouldn't deny Christ. Her uncle took her to a canal, a local canal, backed her up to the canal with a pistol to her head and said that she would have to denounce the faith in Jesus Christ. She refused to do that. Her uncle noticed that there was a poisonous black cobra swimming in the canal, thinking how much easier it would be instead of shooting her to push her off into the canal and let that become her demise. The snake plus the fact she couldn't swim. He did it. She lived. And when individuals and reporters asked her about why she would do this, her answer was, if my Lord Jesus can die for me, surely I can suffer for Him. What a decision. What a commitment. And today, we look at our Jesus as He was making decisions and as He was holding up to the commitment that he had made. We seem for those brief few passages that we have of him there in the Garden of Gethsemane, that in a sense could be called a garden of decision. And what I would like for you to think about is that it wasn't just that moment that led him there. You see, it was the fact that he had made a commitment to be faithful to his God and to endure the the shame and the pain of the cross long before that Garden of Gethsemane. In other words, look with me, if you will, to Luke, the second chapter. In Luke, the second chapter, we see in verse 49 that previous years to this event, when Jesus was only 12 years old, He had already made His stand, and He was willing to verbalize that stand. And I'm not suggesting to you this is where it started. Jesus had been faithful all along. Jesus never sinned but yet here even at 12 years old he's able to state clearly why he was on this earth and what he hoped to accomplish in his life he said as his mother and father had been hunting for him for a few days as he had stayed back in the temple in jerusalem they finally found him luke 2 and 49 he said to them why did you seek me did you not know that i must be about my father's business so the idea of him staying faithful while in the garden of gethsemane is not unthinkable because He had made that commitment many, many years prior to that. Look with me, if you will, to Matthew, the fourth chapter. Also to realize that there was an enemy, that Satan does work in opposition to us. And to be faithful and to overcome that enemy is something that Jesus did not try to wrestle with in that Garden of Gethsemane for the first time. You see the point here? This is something that he had been doing throughout his life. Here we see a glimpse of the time of his life that was very early in his ministry. We'll only look at one part of this paragraph, but in Matthew, the fourth chapter, he's tempted several times. But notice what his answer is when he was tempted with the promise that Satan would give him the kingdoms of the world. And, of course, he refuses to fall down and worship Satan. And look what verse 10 and 11, Matthew 4 Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. He'd been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, and now he'd gone through this difficult time of temptation. Notice, it's after this that the angels literally came and ministered to him. Why? It's not easy fighting Satan. What, When you and I have decisions, what is that? Oftentimes, decisions that relate to right and wrong, they are a fight against Satan. Why would I think that I'm going to face an enemy, but yet it wouldn't be agonizing, it wouldn't be tiring, it wouldn't be difficult. And so Jesus, going into the garden of Gethsemane, he knew that he wanted to stand on the side of God long before he ever entered into that garden. You see, his commitment to God was leading him there. He knew that he was opposed to Satan long before he ever entered that garden. His commitment was leading him there. But look with me, if you will, to John, the 7th chapter. And John, the 7th chapter, we see that his commitment was in spite of his family. John 7 and verse 5, this short little verse gives us insight that is really tremendous. It's revealing Of some of the struggles that Jesus would have had in his early ministry. In John, the seventh chapter and verse five, speaking about his flesh and blood brothers, his physical brothers, half brothers, he says, For even his brothers did not believe in him. Will your commitment lead you to a garden of decision? It depends how strong your commitment is. Is your commitment strong enough at this time that no matter what your family did right now, you would remain with God? Jesus, why do you follow the Heavenly Father? Oh, I do it because my brothers, they love God so much and they follow Him so faithfully and so I just do it because they... No, Jesus stood alone at this point with His siblings. We don't know about His sisters, but here it clearly describes that His brothers did not follow or believe in Him. How many times have you seen within families a spouse die? And the other spouse that appeared to be so faithful for years literally loses the way spiritually and in a matter of time they're unfaithful. How many times have you seen children that their parents become unfaithful and then they become unfaithful or children become unfaithful and then parents become unfaithful? I'm not suggesting to you that what we're talking about this morning is easy. But I need to examine myself. And I beg you to examine yourself. If you found out today that no one in your family was going to serve God any longer, no one, would you be back here tonight to worship God? And would you be just as dedicated in your love and in your service to God alone as maybe you have been if there are others in your family surrounding you now? You see, Jesus had already proven great commitment before He ever reached that garden of Gethsemane. Also, we see in the very same opening here of your Bible, if you look in John, the sixth chapter, he also proved this commitment in spite of rejection. It wasn't just his family, but there were many people that had been following him, and of course, they liked the fact that he could reproduce miraculously the bread for them, and they were following him apparently for the physical bread. And so he begins to call them to a spiritual commitment they liked things when it were when it was on a physical level much more than they liked it when he started bringing it to a spiritual level. And so in verse 60 it says therefore this is in John the 6th chapter verse 60 therefore many of his disciples when they heard this said this is a hard saying who can understand it skipping down to 66 from that time many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus says to the 12 Do you also want to go away? What's Jesus doing? Jesus is calling for commitment, and Jesus isn't going to change the truth to try to make it appear that people are committed. Please note that fact. We do not do anybody a favor when we try to word things and we try to make things appear as if people are committed when in fact they aren't committed. Are children committed? call an ace, an ace, and spade, a spade, and if they're not, let's stop pretending that they are, and let's have some serious talks about their commitment. A friend that you love, a friend that tries to give off the, the appearance that they're committed, but yet you're close enough friends you know they're not, do you love them enough to talk to them about the hypocrisy in their life? Do you love them enough to call them to commitment? Jesus didn't chase after these folks and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Maybe we can work this out. He let them turn their back on Him because they were not committed to Him. It's not easy. When we see others turning their back, it's not easy. But that's what Jesus did. So we see that his commitment is what led him to this garden. But please note that it was agony that met him in the garden. When we consider the agony that met him there, I'd like for you to turn also to Matthew, the 26th chapter. In Matthew, the 26th chapter, we see in verse 36, this same story, which is Matthew's account. And I'd like for you to notice... The two descriptions in verse 37. And He took with Him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and He began to be sorrowful. Notice that. He began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. As we have pointed out at the beginning of this lesson, Jesus is in great agony at this point. Jesus knows what the will of the Father is, and the will of the Father is to drink this cup, but yet there is the human side of Him that is hoping some way that God could work it out so that that cup would not have to be drank. If you'll notice here in this same text, look in 39. We have a little greater insight to exactly what the prayers were that Jesus offered. Notice the word if in 39. He went a little further and he fell on his pr- face and he prayed saying, "'O oh my Father,' If it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. you think he's in distress? The very reason he came to this earth was to live and to die for us. During his life on this earth, he stated over and over and over that the scriptures must be fulfilled, that he would suffer and that he would die. Jesus knows what the cup is. But there's that human side that's begging God, with you all things are possible. If it's possible, change this. How many times have we stood at bedsides of those that we've loved? Or how many times have relationships been at the point of breaking? How many times have we been in situations where we have said that same thing? God, you can do everything. You can do anything. God, if it's possible... the first one to feel that way that's exactly what Jesus was going through but isn't it awesome that Jesus concludes his prayer with thy will be done not mine in other words Jesus is saying I'll stay with you no matter what You see, in this, we see awesome humility and submissiveness. Humility is what leads us to pray. Submissiveness is what leads us to obey. Now notice how the prayer is a little bit different. As we're still reading here in Matthew, now let's read verse 42. Look in 42 as he says again a second time. He went away and prayed saying, Oh, my Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. Do you see the change? The first prayer was an open request. Lord, pass this cup from me. And now he's thought more deeply. He realizes that this is the cup that must be drank. And so he prays for God's will to be done. Prayer and submission. What a beautiful combination. When we are in the times of deep sorrow, when we are in the times of decisions in our life, when we're at the times where it just feels like it can't go on like this, what do I do? Pray. We can't go on without God, whether it's a good day or a bad day. So in humble submission, pray. Pray and pray for us to find God's will in our life. But I want you to please notice this final thing about the prayer. Did you notice as we go back to Luke 22 and 44, he prayed in agony. The way that's worded is just interesting to me. And being in agony, he prayed Luke 22 and 44. And then the passage we just left in Matthew, the passage said that, that he was lying on his face. Jesus was wrestling. Jesus was agonizing. Jesus was going through a difficult time. And this emotional and physical battle that was taking place in the garden was all interwoven with prayer. Time that your desire to do God's will... Now, please listen to this whole statement here. When's the last time that your desire to do God's will about something that was so important in your life caused such an emotional stir within you because you were afraid you might not be able to fulfill God's will. Maybe you were afraid you wouldn't be able to find God's will. But it was such a stir to you, it was such a concern to you that in this situation that feels out of control, that feels so painful... More than anything, you want God's will to be done. And submissively, you're willing to obey God's will, but to find it and to do it. You are not just bowing your head. You're lying flat on the floor. And you begin to perspire. When is the last time you and I have sweated in prayer? When's the last time the sweat were as if it were great drops of blood? How many discourses have you and I heard in our lifetime about whether or not that was really blood? Friends, our problem's not whether or not that was really blood. Our problem is finding enough commitment to God to say, I'm wrestling with Satan. How many of us have never been in a garden of decision like this because we've never been that committed? If you and I live an average lifetime, and if we are committed to God, we're going to find ourselves in this kind of garden. You remember in Genesis 32, Jacob feared his brother Esau, so he was hiding, and he was hiding his family from himself. They were on a journey, so he told his family to sleep at one place and he slept at another place. And as he slept, an angel of God came. And I know this story sounds strange if you've never heard it before. But he began to wrestle with him. And if you can imagine two wrestling all night long, how tired are you going to be? It's a physical match. And Jacob realizes that this individual is from God. And for whatever reason, the angel says... Day is about to break. You must turn me loose. And Jacob won't let go of him. He's in this battle for life. And you know what he says? I'll let you go if you will bless me. In the middle of this battle, he'd already struck his hip and dislocated his hip. And if you've ever had a dislocated joint, can you imagine your hip being dislocated and continuing to fight, continuing to hold on to the angel of God? And you could go to Jacob, and I believe you could say, Jacob, you were in a lot of pain. Why didn't you just let him go? And I still believe his answer would be, I wanted a blessing from God. I believe you could go up to Jesus and say, Jesus... Why did you go through that agony in the garden? Why did you sweat? Why did you pray more earnestly? Why did you pray over and over and over? Why did you go through that? And he would say, I knew that the only way I could face the cross is I had to have blessings from God because it was there that it says angels came and ministered to him. Friends, God hasn't stopped answering prayers. God hasn't stopped ministering to us through prayers. And this morning, let's make sure that we never stop asking God to minister to us through prayer. Decisions. Life is full of them. Some are hard. But please don't ever back down from wrestling with that decision to find the truth of the matter. Let's do a little more wrestling. Let's do a little more agonizing. And the only way we can do that is if we're committed. This morning, let's leave here committed to God. It doesn't mean life is easy, but it means that we will always have the strength from God to find our way. If you've never been baptized into Christ for remission of your sins, won't you commit your life to Him today so that you can have those sins forgiven? If you have been baptized into Christ and you were committed at one time, but now you've lost your way, you need to confess sin and repent of those sins and let's pray forgiveness. Friends, Let's leave here today being wholly committed and willing to agonize and even wrestle to make sure that we serve our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We can help you any way it comes we stand, as we sing.